Well, if you haven't had the opportunity to be with us the last few Sundays, we've been obviously talking about Christmas, but really talking about the gifts, the gifts that were brought by the wise men, the Magi, after Jesus' birth. So the verses we've kind of been spinning off of have been from Matthew chapter 2. Matthew 2.10 says, When they saw the star, speaking of the wise men, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we, we've been talking about these gifts because these gifts uh, are unusual to us when it comes to a gift that we would give to a new couple, uh, a couple who are first-time parents with a new infant. But we're talking about ancient home remedies here, right? From the frankincense and some of its uses and myrrh and very practical gifts for a new mother and an infant child in that time. And yet these gifts also were very prophetic in nature. The myrrh represented Jesus as the sacrificial lamb, as the suffering servant that he came to be, because myrrh was very often used to prepare bodies for burial at that time. And the frankincense, in the the first week we talked about how frankincense represented Jesus as the priest, the eternal priest for his people, because up until that point in their faith tradition, the priests would offer sacrifices and prayers on behalf of the people, because there was this gap, this tension between God and his holiness and us and our sinfulness. And so the priest would kind of be that intermediary for them, but it was a continual thing. No priest and no sacrifice was enough to take care of the problem of sin forever. And so it would happen year after year after year until Jesus came and became that perfect priest, that perfect sacrifice. And then the gold represents Jesus as king. And we talked about that just this past Sunday where he's not just a king like every other king. And uh, some of our Fieldstone kids did a great job of describing what a king looks like, right? With the crown and the robes and the people who are under him and the throne and all that stuff. And so Jesus as the king of kings rightfully deserves all of those things times infinity, but he didn't come as that type of a king. He came as a different kind of a king. So we've been talking about those gifts, and uh, I want to get back to those in a second, but um, I was thinking about really the last three, three and a half years that we've uh, existed as a church, Um, and I don't think I've ever uh, shared kind of the the specifics of how I came to know Christ. So just to take a couple minutes here this evening, um, I grew up as a pastor's kid, um, and so when I look at my son and daughter, I kind of see that they're experiencing many of the same things that I did, except they don't have to dress up for church. Um, because I grew up in like the, the 80s when you had to wear a suit and tie and all that good stuff. Some of you people remember that, and you're like, ooh, I remember those days. Well, welcome to Fieldstone, where jeans and a grubby t-shirt will get you by, right? But no, I grew up uh, as a pastor's kid, so I was always in church multiple times a week, every single week. And I was that kid where in Sunday school, if our Sunday school teacher offered to pray with us to accept Jesus in our heart, I would every single time, right? And we would have VBS Vacation Bible School, for those of you who grew up with that in the summertime, and I would go to that, and we would have a magician or or some other cool speaker and entertainment for the week, and and at some point in the week, that person would say, would someone like to come forward and ask Jesus into their heart? And I would say yes, every single time, partly just to hang out with the magician, right? And saying, I got to figure this guy out. He made that coin disappear. And so that that was my life. Like, I grew up understanding the basics of Christianity and faith and church and all that stuff. But I I have a very vivid memory at seven years old, one of the clearest memories that I have. And uh, my dad had a a gray Chevy pickup truck. And I only remember what it was because I remember trying to figure out at seven years old why it was spelled differently than the way you said it. And so it was a gray Chevy pickup truck. And we would ride, ride in this thing on the way to school every single day. 
but not in the way your kids ride to school in a pickup truck. Because back then also, you didn't really have to wear a seatbelt. Shoot, you didn't even have to sit up in the front. We would sit in the back of the truck. Now, he would have a, a cover on the bed, but we'd sit in the back and sit on the wheel wells on that 10-minute drive to school. And uh, for this one particular day, I was seven, so that would have been like spring of 89, 90, somewhere in there. Um, I remember I was sitting in the back of the truck by myself. I don't know where my brother was, maybe in the front, maybe he was out of school that day for whatever reason. But on this, for whatever reason, this 10-minute drive to school on that particular day at seven years old, sitting on the wheel well in the back of my dad's gray pickup truck, for some reason, I remember thinking about all of these different VBS prayers I had prayed and all these Sunday school prayers that I had prayed. And I remember having this conversation with God saying, God, I, I believe all of that. I, I have heard it. I believe it. I've prayed the prayers and yet I, I'm not sure I've ever made the decision to give you my heart. And so in that moment, at seven years old, I remember absolutely understanding what was going through my head and understanding what I was doing. I gave my heart and life to Jesus in that moment. Now, as I look back on it, it seems like a very intelligent moment, right? Like, like this really smart, but I was seven, right? So who knows even what I was saying or thinking, but I remember very clearly understanding exactly what I was doing. And now for me, I remember that moment clear as day. Not everybody has that moment. You can look back, C.S. Lewis, the famous author, talks about how he didn't have a moment where he just prayed the prayer and that was it, but it was kind of years even of study and research and all of a sudden realizing, oh, I believe this stuff. I'm, I'm a believer, right? And so it happens different for everybody, but that was my experience. And then it wasn't until Years later, as I grew up and started doing more reading of the Bible and understanding more teaching, that I realized what exactly happened in that moment when I was seven years old. And, and I'm going to go to Luke for that, because in Luke chapter 15, we get an idea of what exactly happened in the spiritual realm when seven-year-old Justin gave his little heart to Jesus in the back of his dad's pickup truck. Luke 15, uh, Jesus is speaking in parables and talking about... Um, uh, the value of someone who gives their heart to Christ and understands and believes. And, and he talks about a uh, hundred sheep and 99 of them are left and one is missing. And so the shepherd goes chasing after that one. And then he talks about um, a woman with 10 coins. That's all she's got. And she loses one of them and she searches the entire house until she finds the one. And listen to how it describes the finding of that one sheep and the finding of that one coin. Luke 15, 7 says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And then in verse 10, following up on the lost coin, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. And I realized that heaven celebrated seven-year-old Justin in the back of his dad's pickup truck. Like there was something happening. I don't know if this is angels celebrating. I don't know if this is angels. I don't know if this is people who have gone on before us who have some understanding of what, I, I don't know what the celebration looks like. I kind of picture like you've seen some of the videos of soccer fans at the World Cup and when their team scores a goal and you got, they got video of the fans just going nuts and everybody's jumping around and bouncing off on top of each other. We'll get back to that, by the way, someday, this vaccine thing and stuff. I'm looking forward to the day when we can gather in a stadium and just 
be all over each other, but that's a whole nother thing. But that's, I wonder like, what did that celebration look like? But the important thing was heaven was celebrating that little kid in the back of his pickup truck. And then I started to wonder, why? Why is that such a big deal, right? This, isn't, this wasn't some kid off the streets. This wasn't some kid who grew up in a horrible, broken home in, in a third world country and, and by some miracle wandered into a church or received a tract or came across a missionary. This is a kid who grew up with every opportunity in the world to experience Christ, and then he did. So why is that such a big deal? Well, for that answer, we have to jump to the book of John, John 17. And I promise we'll get back to the Christmas stuff in just a second. But in John 17, we're, we're kind of given a glimpse as to why this is such a big deal. And in, in John 17, Jesus is actually praying. And we find him praying for his disciples. And, and, and so it says in John 17, 4, it picks up, Jesus says, I brought glory to you. He's talking to God, his Father. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory that we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. What we see here is that Jesus' followers, and, and, and we, if we read the next few verses, he's talking about his 12 disciples, right? The, the 12 that were with him. They were a gift from God to Jesus to be his friends, to be his followers, people that he could mentor and show the way of life in the kingdom to, people he could give the mission to, people he could give the message to. They were a gift from God to Jesus. But let's jump down a little bit further in the chapter. Verse 20. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, not only for the 12 that you gave me, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Verse 24, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me. Jesus' 12 disciples, famous dudes in the Bible, accomplished a lot. The entire message of the gospel was spread to the entire world through their teaching and their influence. They were a gift from God to his son Jesus, but so were you. You are also a gift from God to Jesus. When you accept Christ, when you begin that relationship with him and enter into a walk of faith with him, you are added to his body. You are added to his flock. You are added to his family of faith. You are a gift from God to Jesus. Now, there's some theologians in the room, and so you're thinking, well, Justin, you are making us humans sound like a much bigger deal than we really are. And I would say, yeah, a little bit I am, because here's the thing. God is all about God. He's a selfish God. He is rightfully a, a, a God who glorifies himself. He's about his will, his plan, his glory. And we are not, the, the story's about him, right? Like you read the Bible, we like to interject ourselves and be like, well, I'm David and I'm conquering the giants in my life. No, you're not David, right? You can't conquer your giants. God can conquer your giants. So God is about God, right? God is about his own glory. And yet, 
this same God is overjoyed at the thought of giving you and your soul and your heart as a gift to his son Jesus. But it was only possible because of him coming to be the perfect priest, as the frankincense foretold. And it only happened because he came to be the perfect sacrificial lamb, as the myrrh signified. And it only happened, it's only possible because he came to be a different kind of king, as the gold symbolized. But I want you to understand that you are a gift from God to his son Jesus. And in the eyes of heaven, that is a gift worth celebrating. A lot had to happen for him to reach down and offer you forgiveness and mercy, salvation and new life and to be a new creation. You are a gift to Jesus and that's why heaven celebrates because when the king gets an awesome gift, everybody gets excited. The team's going to come and lead us through Silent Night in just a minute. And we're going to do, we're going to sing Silent Night, and we're, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with the candles in a second. But the reason why we do this candle thing is just, it's a beautiful illustration of the last thing I want to mention is that as we see the candlelight spread through the room, what we need to understand is that not only is our experience with Christ a gift worth celebrating, it's a gift worth sharing. And so we, those of us who claim Christ, who celebrate Christmas for what it truly is, we have an understanding and the mission to make sure that we are not the last gift given, but that that message and that opportunity gets shared to those we come in contact with, those that we love, those we have influence over, because it's a gift worth celebrating, but it's also a gift worth sharing. And so as we sing Silent Night, as the team leads us, I'm going to invite uh, some of you are sitting with large groups, large families, some of you, it's just one or two of you. Uh, But if you would, ask one person from your group to hit one of the candles around the room. There's a couple up front, one on the side, one in the back. And light your candle and take it back to your family. And watch it spread through your family. Watch it spread throughout the room and understand this is exactly how the gift spreads from you to the next one to the next one from your family to the next one to the next one let's remember the gift the gift of Jesus and the gift of us as we celebrate this together